0: Good morning, (sighs) hasn't it been eye-opening for you uh, the last few weeks um, looking at how Jesus imprinted His love and the values of His kingdom on the people? And wasn't it sobering last week when Mani talked about how our hearts can actually become so hardened that Jesus cannot imprint His love? He cannot make His impression on them. We contemplated the rich young ruler, remember, who chose his wealth over following Jesus. Um, We considered Jerusalem's aversion, its hostility towards the prophets of God who came to exhort her. And then we thought and considered Judas' cold, calculating heart uh, that made him sell out his master for a quick buck. But today I want to draw your attention not so much to how Jesus imprinted his love on people, but rather to the fact that he imprinted them. Ponder this, Jesus, the incarnate verb, through whom and by whom and for whom the universe was created, chose to make himself accessible to us, to humans, and in doing so he made the divine accessible, Emmanuel, they called him, God with us. Paul, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2 would say it this way. He says that Jesus made himself nothing, that he emptied himself, took the form of a servant, and was born in the likeness of men. John in his gospel says it this way. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have contemplated his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, for Jesus to touch us, to imprint his love on as he needed to be among us. So what did he do? He left his throne at the right hand of God and entered our broken, fallen world. No other deity has ever done this. Okay? Of course, there is no other deity, but even in people's imaginations of, of deity and the gods, they knew that the gods weren't really known for their humility or their down-to-earthness. Take the Greek gods, for example. Okay? You have Zeus, the top dog. Isn't that a great picture? Yeah, it's very elaborate, okay? He's the god of, of the sky, lightning, and thunder. But see, he would only come to earth to abuse and exploit humans. He was the source of many of the troubles that humans faced. He was just constantly creating chaos. He was mean and petty. And what about Hermes right there next to him? The trickster, patron god of thieves. Well, I think enough said on him. Uh, see, they played games with people and poked and prodded them into insanity. But Jesus wasn't like that. He put on flesh and he entered our world to imprint God's love on our hearts. Jesus was different. He was, he was like no other deity uh, that people have ever created even in their own imaginations. See, but Jesus, when he tore down these walls, there were actually two kinds of walls. There was there was a physical wall, I think, and, and an emotional wall. Uh, an example of a physical wall is this one. Take a look at that picture, okay? It is, it is the tabernacle, the Jewish tabernacle, which, which was essentially a mobile desert temple, okay? As the, when the Israelites were called out of Egypt and they were on their way to the promised land, God instructed them to create this tabernacle, which would, which would form the basis for a future temple, and God's presence resided here. But, but look, at, look at how this place looks, Okay. there's first a boundary separating the tabernacle compound from the tents of the 12 tribes that camped around it. Then there was a courtyard that you had to cross, you see out there in the front, that you had to cross to even get to the tabernacle, the actual tabernacle. And then once inside, you had what was called the holy place, and further in the most holy place, which is, of course, where the presence of Yahweh resided, for lack of a better word, on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, beginning at the outer boundary and working your way inward, fewer people were permitted access. Not anybody could approach the tabernacle, let alone the inner sanctuaries. And only the high priest, only the high priest and that to once a year was allowed access into the most holy place. And that was to make intercession for, for his own sins and for the sins of the people. And even then, the high priest couldn't enter without blood to offer To offer God. So the Jews understood, they understood and were aware of this physical separation between fallen mankind and a holy God. But see, in New Testament times, they experienced um, a more, if you will, insidious, emotional wall of separation. That is the separation that existed between the common people and the religious elite. See, the Jewish religious leaders, such as the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they distanced themselves from common folk, Uh, based on their social standing as elites. They were detached. They were uninterested in their lives. In fact, the word Pharisee meant the separated ones. I like to think of it as, it was probably their way of saying the holier than thou's. Um, But what, what were they exactly separated from? What were they trying to be separated from? Well, they wanted to be separated from all impurity. They wanted to be separated from uncleanness. Now, that's not a bad thing, is it? Of course not. But see, they had separated themselves, they had distanced themselves so much that they had stopped serving the people they were called to serve. And Jesus, on an occasion would criticize them. He, he would say of them, "They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move a finger to lift them with a finger." Now the Sadducees, they were the party of the high priests and aristocratic families and merchants. They lived and moved around in the higher, in the upper echelons of Jewish society, maintaining friendly relations with the Romans. Now, think of this. High priests, detached from the people, friendly with the Romans? Yeah. The very people tasked with fostering unity among the Jews and evangelizing the Gentiles were preoccupied with their own status and their own reputation. The Jewish people then, in the words of Jesus himself, were like sheep without a shepherd. So in the Jews' mind, through God's own design, as with the tabernacle, and through humans' perceived hierarchy, as with the, religious, the Jewish religious leaders, there were these physical and these emotional walls of separation from all things divine. They saw themselves as part of fallen creation and the divine as utterly out of reach. But Jesus, okay, but Jesus arrives on the scene and he begins the work of demolishing these walls. Because he he had to first tear down these walls that that separated the people that kept them from God so that he could then imprint his love on them. He tore down the walls and then he made the divine accessible to all, to rich and to poor, to the educated and to the illiterate, to the Jew and Gentile and barbarian, to slaves and to freemen, and the people could not get enough. Let's look at a few examples, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles. Of, of the impact that Jesus had as he tore down these walls of separation and imprinted his love on the people. Accompany me in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. Mark 1, 40 through 42. <clears throat> it says this. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him I will be clean and immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean so here's a leper if you pay attention to the extremities there okay leprosy is a devastating disease okay it 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 begins begins on your skin and it, it ver- literally literally eats up your organs and your organs just essentially fall off Um, Now, I don't know if you've ever come across a leper before, but in my hometown in India, in Bangalore, uh, we actually had what was called a leper colony. And that is where all the lepers lived, isolated from the rest of society, ostracized from the rest of society. So you can imagine how this leper must have felt, okay? Jesus, he hears Jesus coming, he sees him and he says, hey, listen, if you will, if you want to, you can make me clean. He has faith, right? And Jesus, what does he say? I will. But focus on this. How comfortable would you feel going up to a person who was missing fingers in that way, who had skin so white it looked like snow? That's what leprosy does. But look, what did Jesus do? He walks right up to the man, he touches him, and he heals him. Now, consider this for a moment. Why touch him? Why close the gap? Why not heal from a distance? I mean, we can't really say definitively, but think of this. It's not hard to imagine what the leper must have felt after having been ostracized by society for so long and now to be approached and touched by Jesus himself. I bet he felt accepted, I bet he felt loved, like he mattered, like he belonged. See, Jesus tore down that physical wall of separation that kept him from his love. He tore down that emotional wall that told him, no, you can't be here. And he imprinted his love on the leper. But another instance where I think that Jesus was particularly effective at imprinting his love was at the scene of the death of his friend, of his beloved friend, Lazarus. You remember the story? It's it's quite a large passage, so I will kind of paraphrase and summarize for time's sake. So Lazarus falls sick and he dies. Jesus arrives at Lazarus' hometown and is greeted by his sisters, Mary and Martha. And let me read you a few verses about, about that little interaction that takes place between them and how Jesus responds to them. John chapter 11, verses 32 through 35, quote it says. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He mourned the loss of his friend. He cried for the pain of Mary and Martha, and he wept that death had reigned yet again. Here's Jesus, God in the flesh, weeping, participating in the full human experience. Think back to the Greek gods. Can you see any one of them doing something similar? If one of them did come down, it probably would have been to, like, steal things from the people at the funeral, you know. But not Jesus. He tore down that physical wall. He tore down that emotional wall that the people had. And he imprinted his love on Mary, on Martha, on the people gathered there, on his friend Lazarus. Let's look at one one more example. Go with me to Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. Here, Jesus calls Levi, also called Matthew, okay? He's a tax collector. He tells Levi, hey, follow me, okay? Come follow me. And Levi, like (laughs) like all of Jesus' disciples when they're called, he leaves his post and he follows Jesus. But then later on, he throws this huge party, okay? Levi, the tax collector, with all of his friends, and he invites Jesus as his special guest. They're having a jolly old time, okay? Eating and drinking, and here come the Pharisees. Remember them, okay? The separated ones, the holier-than-thous, Okay? Here they come and witness this exchange between them and Jesus' disciples, okay? The contrast could not be clearer. So Luke 5, 30 through 32, says, and the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled. They grumbled at his disciples, okay? Saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I, the irony is not lost on me, and I hope it's not, not lost on you. See, Jesus is saying, listen, I came to this world, okay, as a doctor, essentially. I've come, I've come to call sinners to repentance, but not the righteous. Now, the irony there, of course, is that they're all sinners, right? The tax collectors, the Pharisees, everybody present there except Jesus are sinners, But the Pharisees don't realize that. Their sense of self-righteousness is so great that they think that they don't need Jesus. And and so they're thinking, Jesus, why are you spending time with the outcasts of society? You need to be spending time with us, the religious elite, don't you know? In fact, if you were really the son of God like you say you are, you would know. You would know what sort of people they are. You would know what sort of woman that is you're hanging out with. But Jesus, he he understands. He tells them, hey, listen, I've come to call sinners, okay? Not the righteous to repentance. And he knew who the sinners were, although not all of them knew who they were. So the Pharisees are indignant that Jesus is associating with the wrong crowd, and they're blinded. And sometimes this happens to us, but they were blinded by their own self-importance and self-righteousness. But Jesus, God in the flesh, okay, the divine made human is eating and drinking with us with us humans, and especially with the people with whom nobody wanted to be seen. So Jesus tears down that physical wall, Okay, that physical wall that kept people from his love, that emotional wall that told them they couldn't be there, they couldn't participate in the love of God because they were sinners. He tore down those walls and imprinted his love. See, Jesus was able to do all of this because he made himself accessible. He chose to make himself accessible. He broke down the walls that kept people from God. And we as followers of Jesus are called to do the same. We look around us today and we see many, many walls keeping us from God and from each other. Well, we're Jesus people. That makes us wall breakers. Do you know where those walls of separation exist in your life? Maybe it's a wall of language. Maybe you don't know a language besides Texan. Okay, I love Texan, okay? Perhaps it's a wall of culture and traditions. Maybe it's a wall of skin color. Maybe it's one of social status, or maybe, just maybe, it's one of politics. And there are so many more, but the question for us today is, as Jesus followers, how do we go about breaking down these walls and imprinting God's love on others? Here are a few things I'd like to suggest to you that you might try, as you seek to be a wall breaker, like Jesus. Again, there are many, many things you could do, but but these things kind of came to the forefront of my mind because I feel like some of these issues are, are, are sort of uh, very relevant in our society today. So if you want to break down socioeconomic walls, okay, volunteer at the food bank, okay? Spend time with people who have nothing but the shirt on their backs. You would be amazed. You'd be amazed. You know, we talk about mission trips sometimes, short-term mission trips, and, 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 and the people that go on those trips come back and their eyes are open to this whole world that they never knew existed, right? To a whole world where, where, where they, the people have so little that you can't quite comprehend how they have so little. But, but you don't have to leave the country to experience that. Lubbock has that. Okay? There are people like that in here, okay? just two, two, three miles away. So you want to begin to break down those barriers? You can do that starting here. You don't have to go on a short-term mission trip. In fact, they won't even let you go on a trip right now, okay? Nobody's going anywhere, okay? So as you're in Lubbock, man, I encourage you, I urge you, go volunteer at one of these places. It doesn't have to be there. But there are many things you could do. But, but begin to break down those walls. Begin to associate with these people, man, who, who, who would love to have you, who would love for you to come serve them. Just like the people loved when Jesus came and hang, hung out with them when nobody else would. now, if you want to break down language walls, okay, take Spanish classes okay on apps like Duolingo or Rosetta Stone. Any anybody use Duolingo or Rosetta Stone here? okay Man, if you want to learn Spanish, great free apps, okay They make it super easy for you to learn. They, it's almost like you're playing a game on your phone. very interactive, very effective at teaching you to, you a foreign language. Did you know that Close to 40% of Texas is Hispanic. Now, I know that not all Hispanics speak Spanish, but a lot of them do. Man, you want to begin to break down those barriers of language? That's something you can do, something very simple you can do. And then one more I got for you. If you want to break down racial, political walls, man, work to expand your circle of friends to include people, those who don't look like you, people who don't think like you, and perhaps especially People who don't vote like you. There, there's been so much focus on the things that separate us, on the things that divide us. But man, as Jesus people, we can't be that way. Jesus, Jesus was a person who, who broke down walls, who built bridges, okay? He, he, he left his throne in heaven and came down to us. Do you know how much sacrifice that took? What that really meant, he, he went from being praised and adored all day, every day, from the start of creation and forevermore, amen, he leaves all of that, puts on flesh, and he comes down to earth to show us his love, to show us God's love. Man, the sacrifice. Can you imagine? And we as his followers are called to be just like that. Okay, so if He's a God who sacrifices, man, we sacrifice. If He's a God who tears down walls, we tear down walls. Okay, we don't put up walls. And when we see walls, we go right at it. We break those walls down. Brothers, sisters, if we're going to be Jesus followers, man, we have to be wall breakers so that we too can imprint God's love on the people like Jesus did. But see, God has to break through your own heart first the wall of your heart and imprint his love in you before you can do the same for others. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, that wall of separation between you and God, sin, still stands. Man, God waits for you with a sledgehammer. I mean that in a good way, okay? He waits because he wants to tear down that wall which has kept you from him for so long. If you let him, he will tear it down and he will imprint his love on your heart. You can do this today by responding during the invitation song, which we'll sing here in a moment. So why don't you come to the front and let us pray with you and guide you to get that wall torn down. Let us be standing as we sing.